This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Governor Martin O'Malley, a Democratic candidate for president in 2016. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc. CHS Inc. is a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. CHS is diversified in energy, grains, and foods, and committed to growing their business through domestic and global operations. Governor Martin O'Malley joins us next here on Open Mic. What does it mean to be relevant in today's global agriculture marketplace? To CHS, it means having the people and facilities in place to deliver U.S. grain to a feedlot in South Korea or investing in energy production and distribution to help ensure dependable fuel supplies for our local communities. In fact, we've invested more than $1.4 billion on our owner's behalf to make sure we stay relevant now and into the future. To learn more, visit chsinc.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. As Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley sought a balanced approach to environmental stewardship, promoted renewable fuels, and sought global trading opportunities, O'Malley believes he is uniquely qualified to serve as President of the United States. I'm the only candidate in the race for President, in the Democratic race for President, who has 15 years of executive experience. Now the seven of those years were as a big city mayor. But eight of those years were spent governing a state that is very diverse. And in fact, the nickname for Maryland is America in miniature. On the western uh, shore of our state, uh, we have a heavily concentrated and very po- uh, populations, you know, uh, suburban and metropolitan. But on the eastern shore and in western Maryland, it is heavily agricultural. Southern Maryland, heavily agricultural. And so someone at home said to me, what's it like campaigning in Iowa? I said, it's like campaigning in the Democratic primary on the eastern shore of western Maryland. So a, a pretty countryside and, and really hardworking and, and good people who, who want only to be able to give their kids a better life through their own hard work and, and, their, and, and, and their lives. So um, uh, agriculture was one of the bigger industries in our state, had uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of hours bringing people together to to make sure that we safeguard our streams and the health of our rivers and also keep farming profitable and find new markets for Maryland agriculture, both here at home uh, with the whole buy local movement and also uh, for export. You know, we have one of the, I think we rank eighth in terms of, of poultry in the, in the nation in our state. I've spoken with farmers in the Chesapeake Bay from your state who say they feel as if with regard to the federal government and the Environmental Protection Agency and regulations that were imposed upon them, that they were guilty until proven innocent. Sharing a desire to see a strong and improved environment, but recognizing they're not the only source of the issue. How would environmental policy under an O'Malley EPA see agriculture and cooperation with the rest of the populace? I believe that you have to have a balanced approach, and I think we also have to uh, have to be all in this together. What do I mean by that? I mean that in our state, uh, there's oftentimes uh, people would want to scapegoat agriculture when it came to the issue of restoring the waters of the Chesapeake Bay. But the truth is, for decades, farmers were actually implementing best management practices on their lands even as people in the very populated areas continue to, you know, allow suburban sprawl and 
giant housing developments built on septic systems and failed to upgrade their sewage treatment plants and all of those other things. So for our part, what we did as a state was we, we came together. We said that each of these sectors has a responsibility and has actions that uh, we need to take on the land. Some of it was pretty singularly unpopular uh, in our more populated areas. We passed uh, a regimen to uh, require better mitigation of the stormwater runoff. You know, people in the more populated areas of our state weren't happy with it, but we didn't feel as a as a people that we could ask agriculture to do its part and not have the folks in suburbia and in the uh, urban areas fail to do their part. So there's certain actions we need to take on the land altogether as human beings in every sector in order to safeguard the health of our rivers and streams for our sake and the sake of our kids and grandkids. But it is possible to do this and make farming more profitable. There was a case in our state where a particular farming family was actually scapegoated and and held up, I think, unjustly. And I stepped up and spoke out to defend um, that family. And um, so for the most part, uh, we've managed to to keep a consensus together to restore our streams and also to hold on to our agriculture. The question is whose responsibility should the federal government override a state who is implementing best management practices and is using voluntary programs uh, to accomplish a task? Well, look, I, I believe in the rule of does it work. In other words, if, if what we were doing was working, you wouldn't have the degradation of the raccoon and the Des Moines River like you do now. So... Our federal government is charged by act of Congress to protect the the water that we need and the air that we breathe. So, But if a state can show that what it's doing is actually working, uh, then we should keep letting the state do the things that are working. Uh, that's what we did in, in our state. And uh, five other states started playing along and also doing measurable things on the land. We went from doing paying for, we went from doing 100,000 acres in cover crops to doing 425,000 acres in cover crops. We're actually paying our farmers to plant winter wheat and winter cover crops, um, which then they could go and and, and sell as a commodity as well. So, um, so if it's working, I mean that's the test for me. Look, I'm not an ideologue. I believe we we should do the things that work uh, to achieve our our goals together, but. And every sector has a role to play. And, and and thankfully, the federal government also helped our farmers implementing some of these best practices, like the PREP program and the stream buffers and those sorts of things. And Secretary Vilsack was very um, helpful to us as, as we pursued those uh, dollars. With regard to the Environmental Protection Agency, a new definition of navigable waterways and, and the issue of uh, what the rules should be with regard to, to water, if you had a vote, where would you stand on these clean water regulations that are coming into play? A number of states filing a lawsuit, a number of commodity groups trying to stop the EPA. Where do you see this? I think generally that we have no choice but to defend the health of, of our waters. And um, uh, and I think there's always, uh, there's whenever these regulations are promulgated, I think we need to... Uh, I think we need to understand how they are actually implemented on the ground and uh, you know maybe ratchet down some of the phobia look i know I know that there's um, that there's some who believe that the second the 
the EPA or anybody asks uh, uh, anyone in agriculture to do something more, that that's going to be the camel's nose under the tent, and and it's easy to get people really, really worked up. That was true in our state as well. I mean, even though even though we were doing things as a state and as a region to restore the health of our waters, there were some people and you know some people tried to sue us from other states to tell us <laughs> that we couldn't do what we had already decided we should do and what we were willing to come up with the funding to do. So I I think we need to do the things that work that restore the health of our waters because if all of our streams are poisoned and uh, and you can't fish in them. Uh, it's not long before none of the land around those waters is worth anything either. So farmers know how to be stewards of the land. Uh, I've seen it. Farmers know what to do, and I know it's helpful to to some uh, for their own purposes to always uh, vilify the EPA. But I think we need to talk to each other as human beings and realize that without the other living systems of this earth, well, we can't live here much longer either. And water challenges are a big one. But it's possible to restore the health of our waters and make farming more profitable at the same time. And that's what we need to do together. Where would your administration stand on renewable fuels? And I'll stay with the EPA. Their volume proposal under the RFS is for a figure that is less than Congress approved. Yeah, I would disagree with the EPA on that one. I think these renewable fuel standards and ethanol in particular, uh, as well as uh, uh you know, some of the states, like my own state, set a standard for uh, renewable energy, for wind and, and for solar. Those standards need to continue to go up because if the standards start rolling back down the hill, then you create a lack of investor confidence that this is an emerging and new industry. And so I, I, I believe that that was a mistake for the EPA to go backwards on the renewable fuel standard. I believe that that standard should be going up and not down. Some candidates are talking about advanced biofuels, but they're not talking much about traditional biofuels. Is it one or the other, or, Governor, can it be both? I think it's both. One would hope that all of our technologies, especially when it comes to energy, and I am the only candidate to advocate, by the way, and put forward a proposal to move to a 100% clean electricity grid, which, by the way, would also be a huge help to, to rural America and to jobs and that whole ecosystem of not only agricultural lands, but also uh, manufacturing. Uh, but um, I, I think that we're all of those things are on a continuum. Look, the, the wind that's generated now, the technology has advanced beyond where it was 20 years ago, and in the same way, uh, traditional biofuels, I think, will advance, provided we can keep the renewable fuel standard going up and not down. I think there's a lot of promise out there for, for the potential of cellulosic, and, uh, but we won't get there if we're not supporting the renewable fuel standard and keeping the, uh, the predictability in that market. Uh, so that's my take on it. Would coal be a part of the supply? No, until, unless there's a way to sequester, uh, unless there's a way to sequester uh, the carbon from it, uh, coal is hugely problematic. Uh, uh, your state now, I think 30% of your energy comes from wind. Uh, a lot of coal plants are already being swapped out all around the country because of the discovery of cheaper natural gas, uh, which is still a fossil fuel, but it does less damage than our current technology uh, does uh, in burning up coal to to power our electricity. So 
in an orderly way and mindful of the fact that every job's important and no family uh, can be left behind. Uh, we need to move to a 100% clean energy future. If there were any way to sequester the carbon from coal, perhaps I suppose coal could be a part of it, but I don't, I don't see that. I think what you're going to see is a much more distributed energy future. Um, by that I mean that more and more when we build buildings, those buildings will have an energy generating capacity, whether they're commercial buildings or parking lots or residential homes. And it's going to be a much more dynamic and, uh, and, and resilient energy grid rather than the energy supply of your grandfather's day where it was always huge coal plants powered by coal generating electricity and then pumping that out along the lines. With regard to an O'Malley Department of Agriculture, uh, the Farm Bill most recently approved is more about risk management with a heavy component toward crop insurance. What would you see in farm policy, and how do you evaluate the crop insurance program that we see today? Yeah, I think we need to continue to take actions that that strengthen and make uh, crop insurance and risk management more robust. We're going to see, we've already seen what's happened to farmers in California with the mega drought out there. Because of climate change, we are all a lot more vulnerable on this tiny planet Earth. Uh, than we were before to extreme weather events, and that makes farmers vulnerable as well. So uh, I would I would seek to strengthen and make more robust uh, the uh, safety net for farmers in terms of uh, uh, crop insurance and risk management. There are some who believe that crop insurance, the subsidy that comes from the taxpayer, should be reduced for the larger operation. Is there a dividing line between farms? Yeah, very, very good question. Uh, I, I think that there does come a time, look, well, there's a whole swinging of the pendulum here towards greater concentrations of corporate powers, uh, monopolies, oligopolies, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but, I, but I think we should be putting family-run operations first, and uh, that, that should be the, the priority here. That would be my priority, whether there's a, you know, where the cutoff falls and, and how all of that works. There's probably people more expert than I who uh, would uh, would help to craft that. But my priority would be to hang on to family operations and make sure that there was a strong, strong safety net for those family-run operations. The person who is elected president in 2016 will gain from the Congress Trade Promotion Authority. How do you see a proposed Trans-Pacific Partnership, and how would your administration approach global trade? Well, I think we need to be engaged with global trade. I've led trade delegations all over the all over the world, uh, selling Maryland agricultural products as well as services and 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 other things from my state. So uh, there's huge markets out there. We need to be engaged, and we need to be selling to them. Uh, but I am opposed to the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and for this reason. I believe, like NAFTA before it, it will create a fast track for shipping American manufacturing jobs to cheaper labor markets. And uh, while that might choose corporate profits, I don't believe that that is in the best interest of building a strong economy. Uh, we saw what happened with NAFTA. You saw how uh, all the jobs in places like, like Newton, where uh, Maytag employed people, they first went south of the border, then they went to Asia. And I think we need to take a pause here uh, to 
and we need to be much more mindful of what we're doing with these uh, these trade uh, these trade packs. And, and frankly, I'm a little look. I'm a, I'm opposed to anything our Congress is forced to vote on before you and I have a chance to even read it. Uh, what have we come to as a republic that that's the way this works? Uh, that they, you have these secret deals that are put together, and the only people that get to be a part of them and see them are the CEOs of big multinational corporations who whine and moan and complain, even though they're making a greater profit than they ever have, that they're not getting a low enough tax rate to bring their profits back home. Give me a break. We're coming off of the first decade, this side of World War II, where the majority of Americans are earning the same or less than they were 10 years ago. And then these guys are creating these secret deals with their international tribunals to sue their own government so as not to have to protect the environment or uh, standards for workers abroad. Uh, I think this is a self-defeating deal. Uh, I'm all for trade. I'm all for selling uh, our goods and our commodities, our and our grain abroad, but I'm not for these sort of things that that simply grease the fast track of American jobs and, and American corporate profits to send them abroad. It's a bad deal. Governor Malley, we want to thank you for the opportunity that you shared with us to hear your views and thoughts on your run for the White House. The title of the program is called Open Mic, and the voters' ears are listening. As Americans... Um, all of us are, are part of a, a living, self-creating mystery called the United States of America. And it is a gift that has been given to us by our parents and grandparents. But at the heart of our country is the very real promise that wherever you start, you should be able to get ahead. Our country is doing better. We're creating jobs again. But the hard truth of our times is that most of us are working harder and falling further behind. That's not the way our country is supposed to work. That's not the way our economy is supposed to work. And that's why I'm running for president. In the halls of our current Congress, it's not even a fair fight. We need a president that's going to stand up for the people of our country, that's going to fight for better wages, and to build a stronger economy here at home so that we can give our children lives with more opportunity and not less. I mean, that's really what the American dream is all about. And right now it's on the ropes for a lot of our people. It doesn't need to be this way. We need to have wage policies that, that, that so that when people work hard, they actually don't have to raise their kids in poverty. We need to make investments in our own country. We need to open new markets. And we also need to get our people to work have good jobs that actually can support a family. We need to create the universal option of debt-free college. And these are all the things our parents and grandparents did, along with strengthening and expanding Social Security, not cutting it. We need to return to ourselves as a nation, and then we'll be able to give our kids a, a better future than we've enjoyed. Our thanks to Governor Martin O'Malley, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by CHS Inc., a leading global agribusiness owned by farmers, ranchers, and cooperatives across the United States. Diversified in energy, grains, and foods, and committed to growing their business through domestic and global operations. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nelly.